Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How do you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's face? Face, face, face. Hey, what's happening, Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. How you doing there, podcast partners? How you doing there, podcast compadres? Podcast peccadillos, podcast motherfuckers, yippee-ki-yay, podcast motherfuckers, what's happening, man? You got your iPod vagina plugged in, you got your earbuds jammed into your head, your skull, if you will, uh, although that's probably wrong now. See, this, this this fucking show, this show is aged out of its technology. I mean, I've been doing this fucking forever, and it used to be you had to plug in your iPod vagina, and then you jam your earbuds into your ears, and now there's a wire involved, and everybody's got to do the limbo under it and shit like that, but I'll tell you what, now, now, apparently, from what I hear from everybody... Everybody's using cans now, man. Everybody's using uh, AirPods and wireless ear things. And so I'm not so sure if I can talk about iPod vaginas and jamming things in. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I I, I, get, I just ask, you know, eventually it's just going to be, I'm, I'm going to be beamed into your head. There won't even be a fucking conveyance. There's just going to be me talking and you listening. And just somehow it's just going to, as if we were in the same room together. What if we did that? Let's all get in the same room together for me to do this show from now on. What do you say? But uh, unfortunately, you're all going to have to come to my house because I'm broke. I'd love to go to your house every, uh, well, I'd love to go on a, I'd be a traveling man. I'd make a lot of stops. I'd go on a podcast tour and show up at your house and their house and her house and his house. Raise your hand. Who wants me at your house? You, 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 <laughs> um, but instead come here. You know what? That's what I, uh, come to this house. Be one of the beautiful people. Come to this house. Hi, I'm Roger Daltrey. Um, let me ask you something out there. Let me th- let me throw this in your lap. One of you people, and it's going to be one of you people. It's not going to be a whole. It's not a collective. I apologize. I'm going to speak directly to one of you right now. Who amongst you sent me a keto cookbook to my apartment? I must know because uh, I have a book called "It's It's Keto Made Easy." Uh, it, I, it, weirdly enough, it came with its companion book, "Pimpin' Ain't Easy." So there you go. If you want to do keto, that's easy. You want to do pimping, not easy at all, friend. Now, let me ask you this. If you were pimping some hoes to make you some keto food, is there a way I could work them together where the ain't easy and the made easy would go together and I would get an easy meal? Easy bacon and eggs from some stripper who's in a fucking gold lame dress and nothing else. That's right. No panties on my strippers. I just want you to wear a dress with nothing underneath. You know, go, ahead, go ahead. Wear that. That's a, I'm... I'm not going to lie to you. That is, uh, that's an exciting thing. That is a thing that I enjoy. That is, a, I, and uh, probably it speaks too much about me and it tells you too much about me. And what the fuck? Why not? We're in year 11 of this goddamn thing. You should know that about me. Um, but my ex used to uh, show up 
at uh, fly out of town, and then and uh, with uh, with yeah, no fucking nothing underneath, man. And I just done a dress and just holy fuck. Hi, that's me. I keep uh, romanticizing shit. I should not romanticize. I should fucking get rid of it out of my skull. Hi. All right. So who sent me keto made easy? Keto made easy, and I like it. Although I will tell you this, man. These fucking keto recipes, like. Cooking for myself is weird, you know, not weird. I mean, you got to do it. Everybody does it. But I can make like a steak and eggs or I've been making, like I said, I made pork chops and some avocado and some tomatoes, whatever the fuck. I'm doing whatever I can. Uh, Lamb chops, I've made those. Uh, But I made made a steak and avocado the other day that looked badass. It just looked, it was just a steak and I just dumped avocado all over the top. It was really delicious and good. I, uh, I throw a little garlic, a little butter into the old skillet, fry that up, throw a steak in. Look at that. Uh, salt and pepper the steak before it goes in. Then you go. There you go. You got a fucking meal. But this keto made easy, man. It's got all these fucking like shit that I wouldn't even think. I'm like, you can't eat this. But for some reason, they, there's a magical keto trick where you can like uh, cornbread. What was it? Fucking where is it? Oh, dude, salami chips. They want you to fucking fry it like like bake salami so it gets crispy. Dude, that just fucking sounds gross as hell, man. I don't, look, I don't like salami dry. I will say this, like, I'm not an Italian grinder guy. I, I can choke down an Italian grinder. Like, if you go to the Get the Godmother at the Bay City's Deli in Santa Monica, now nah, you're talking. Now that's an Italian sub sandwich you can go ahead and put away. And when I worked at Pacero's in, uh, in Lyle, Illinois, we used to make an Italian sub, and I would get the three foot or the whatever, the six foot, I don't even know how fucking long it was, one of those fucking things, one of those gigantic baseball bats of fucking meat that you can hit somebody in the head with, and I'd get that for a game. Like, if the guys and I were watching football or whatever the fuck, I'd get a, a six foot sub. I'd either get a, you know, like there was a, a turkey and provolone sub or you get a fucking Italian sub. And, you know, you can make an Italian sub work. But I, I will tell you this, that with one of the keys that we put on the, the Italian sub in, in Lyle was mortadella. Oh, dude, it's mortadella. That's a game changer right there. That's your Italian bologna. And it's just savory and fucking unctuous and umami-like. And it's just, I can't even explain the flavor of mortadella. Anytime you've got cold cuts, which are fat anyway, and then they've got chunks of fat in the cold cut. So it's like a, it's a big... Flat, fat, with fat inside of its flat. Uh, <laughs> dude, you know what you want to get? You want to get flat, fat, with a fat inside of its flat. That's what you're looking for, really, when you're trying to get a, a good lunch. Get a get a flat, fat, with fat inside the flat. Knock that onto a fucking bun and choke that down. Holy fuck, is mortadella good. I love it. It uh, it just it just tastes like God's cock, and I bet it's fucking amazing. So I love mortadella. You got to go ahead and get it. So the, at Bay Cities, they got the Godmother sandwich. But otherwise, I'm not a salami guy. I never understood the the appeal. I will tell you this one time, uh, as an when I was an idiot, I we uh, this is when I worked at Jules, and I was a, I was a young man. Uh, Jewel, not Jules. I didn't say Jules. When you worked, I worked at Jules, a grocery store, and uh, my buddy Jeff and I were baggers, and then we were gonna go out that night. And uh, we went out, we went to a party or whatever the fuck, some dumb nonsense. And then we went back to Jewel because it was 24 hours and we were going to get something to eat. And I don't even know why this fucking happened. But I bought, we were going to get frozen pizzas or whatever the fuck. And I bought, dudes, and yell at me now. I bought salami, like a big fucking chunk salami, like a chub, one of those fucking things. And there, uh, Jewel has this stuff called French Quarter Dressing, which I don't even, I couldn't even tell you. It's not, it's like ranch, but a little piquant. You know what I mean? I don't know what the hell they did to it, but it's got some sort of, it's like ranch with a fastball, uh, but, but it's not spicy. It's just kind of, it's kind of tangier than ranch, but it's really good. It's one of those things that you identify like jewel, jewel foods had two things that you would get that were jewel foods exclusives that were really good chef's kitchen pizzas and French quarter dressing. And yes, 
Only a fat person would remember a grocery store's private label groceries from 40 years ago. But yet, but yet, folks, if you tried them today, you'd go, well, I understand why Mike wanted to eat Chef's Kitchen Pizza and French Quarter dressing because it was the fucking game changer, man. They were really good because you could get... Everybody got tombstones and shit like that when I was a kid. And I understand big guys, my buddy, big guy is a huge tombstone guy. And it's just, it's just the Bianucci's always had them stocked in their fucking house. But French, uh, but, uh, but, uh, chef's kitchen pizza. It's like one of those, it's not frozen. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's raw pizza, like in a container. And then you go ahead and cook it at your house. Ah, dude, chef's kitchen pizza was delicious. So we were going to get some chef's kitchen pizza, but they were out. And then instead I wound up getting a chub of salami and, and listen, this will even tell you how much you know about me. I got some Munster cheese, chub salami, and French quarter dressing. Now, at that point, just buy some fucking bread and make a fucking sandwich, right? Well, no, I figure I'm going to go, like, be a fucking Frenchman. I'm going to go out to the Champs-Élysées and, and get a knife and whittle off chunks of, of chub salami along with hunks of Munster cheese and dip them in the, in the French quarter dressing. And we went to Jeff's house. And we queued up, uh, did we watch Scarface that night? And we threw in some fucking videotape and we're watching it. And I'm, I'm like, who am I? I, am I Dick Van Dyke hosting a 1960s fucking dinner party? Like fucking Laura Petrie. What the fuck am I doing? I put out chub salami. I'm like, I remember we went to Jeff's house. I'm like, dude, do you have a cutting board? And he's just gave me this look like, I don't fuck. What do I know if I have a cutting board? I have no idea. So I, he, he got me a plate and then I chopped up salami and cheese and I'm eating it with the knife. I'm like stabbing it with the knife. Like I'm fucking Captain Hook. I'm stabbing salami. I'm dipping it in the dressing. I'm stabbing cheese. I'm dipping it in the dressing and I'm eating it. And, uh, and I, I didn't enjoy a bite. I didn't enjoy one fucking bite, but I pretended that that was like a grown up. Like I was like, uh, for some reason, look again, when you're fat, you're always looking for an angle. So when I was, I was crazy fat and like, look, frozen pizzas are super easy, but I'm like, well, what, Hey, what a second. Hold on a second. What if instead of that, we just got a, a huge fucking thumper bat of meat and we went ahead and got some cheese to go with it. And we dumped red French quarter. I'm just like, what are you thinking about, dude? Why, why overthink it? Put a pizza in the oven and eat it done. Instead, I got this fucking salami and, and I'll never, I'll never forget it. I ate, I was eating it and I was getting sick while I was eating it, but I wanted to prove a point that it was okay to eat salami and cheese in the middle of the fucking night. We're watching the video. I'm just, I felt awful. I was like miserable, but I'm still choking it down. And this says a lot to me about my relationship with food and how fucking fat I am. Like I, I, you know, finish your plate cause I'm poor. Don't let anything go to waste all these different fucking things, but I'm, I'm just fucking like stabbing it with a fucking steak knife. Cause that was another thing. I thought it was fun to eat it like that. Again, seriously, like I was some fucking spy or something. I'm just stabbing the meat, dumping it in the French quarter dressing, eating it off the knife, stabbing the cheese, making like uh, impromptu kebabs with salami and the cheese on the knife, dumping that in the French quarter dressing. And, uh, and Jeff is just sitting there. I, I don't think he ate a piece of it. I think because he was like, all right, all right. I think he got candy bars or some shit. And he just ate like normal, like a normal person. He didn't turn around and see some 58-year-old protagonist from an old detective show eating salami and cheese and, and groaning in his fucking pain. What a mess. But I did it. French Quarter. And, I'll, and I didn't eat the whole thing, but I ate like, I mean, dude, I ate half, half a chub of salami. Now, you know what those things look like? They're just, they're just fucking all fucking girthy. And they're wrapped in that shrink wrap. But I ate half of that fucking thing and then half the thing of cheese, the brick of cheese that I bought. And then the French court, and then we fell asleep, like on the couch. And then we went to bed and I remember waking up in the morning and looking because we left it out. We didn't put it away. And just, and we went downstairs and on the, on his table, like in his, in, in his downstairs basement, there's just this 
congealed fucking fridge quarter dressing in a, in, in a bowl. And then the fucking, the cheese has the hard rind because it was chopped. It was like sitting out all night. And then the salami has that sheen of grease that looks like you just dunked it into a fucking bottle of vegetable oil. Oh, it just bled out. That's what it is. The salami bled out. It's fucking oil all over the fucking place. And I remember looking at it and Jeff, and Jeff was like, hey, do you want any more of this? I'm like, oh, my God. No, Jesus. I don't even want what I ate. I, was, I wanted to fucking vomit. What is stuff? Uh, who the fuck does that, man? So then when I opened up this goddamn keto book and I saw salami chips and pesto, I'm like, fuck that, dude. Nobody just wants to eat salami. And if that's what keto is, I'm going to stay happily fat for the rest of my life, which is a lie. I can, there's plenty of other things I can make. I can make steak. I can make pork chops. I can make lamb chops. All the things I've talked about making before. But when you try to get cute with these recipes, the uh, like I said, there's cornbread in here, which was fucking weird. I was like, what the fuck? Cornbread? I, that doesn't make any sense. And then they'll have, they'll do that thing where they, uh, this whole thing, it's not even just a fucking cookbook. It's also a magic book because they'll have some like weird recipe, like a uh, chocolate protein truffles. You know what I mean? You're like, what? Uh, where is it? Uh, California collard wrap. You know, like, oh man. So, so like it's collard greens, I guess, wrapped up. It's, and they think they're doing you a favor by giving you this variety, but it's like, you know what? If I'm going to stick to this fucking thing, I don't mind just eating fucking chops or meat. If I can just eat, you know, bacon, eggs, meat, whatever the fuck. And I guess I could get creative, but cornbread seems out of the question. It's like those people, like they're making cauliflower into a pizza crust. And I fucking love cauliflower. And it sounds like something I could go ahead and tackle, but what a fucking, who, what laboratory are you in that you're like, Hey, what if we turn this into this? Nah, what the fuck? What if we turn this into this? Quit your magic show, man. Fucking make me some food. Jesus Christ. Pizza, if you don't want to eat pizza, pizza's out. But they always do that thing where they try to assist fat people by going, oh, you know what? You can't eat real pizza, but get this. We've made some pizza out of arugula. <laughs> we, we wound up stitching it together like a goddamn wreath at Christmas. And then you go ahead and put tomato sauce on it. And then we've made a faux cheese out of protein and air. And you go ahead and throw that on the top. And I'm like, what do you mean out of protein? Yeah, out of protein. Well, what is protein? Is protein a thing? I thought protein was in stuff. Well, we found proteins and we slammed them together. What kind of proteins? Doesn't matter. Eat it. Eat your faux arugula fucking protein and air pizza, motherfucker, and shut up. Lose weight. Come to us later when you're healthy. Well, what if I die? What if I die from eating your fucking mystery pizza that you just fucking came up with? Hey, check this out, man. We've made arugula, stitched it together so it looks like something Jesus wore in a million fucking paintings. And then we go ahead and throw some tomato sauce on it. Hey, is there anything in this tomato sauce? No, we just crushed some San Marzano tomatoes. Well, that's delicious, but couldn't you throw in some oregano in there? No, holy fuck, no. Oregano is what's keeping you fat, motherfucker. Don't negotiate, fatty. Eat arugula and smash San Marzano tomatoes. And then this protein and air we've made. Oh, dude. Fuck you guys. Hey, you like cauliflower? Yeah. You like pizza? Yeah. Well, we've turned this cauliflower into pizza. Well, fuck you, Marshall Brodeen. I don't want to fucking go and have your goddamn ridiculous magic show meat. I just want to have a fucking meal that doesn't kill me. Oh, no. Trust me. We've made your... Look, here, they put the cauliflower in the fucking... They put like a towel over it, and then they pick the cauliflower towel up, and then there's a pizza. And you're like, how did you fucking do that? Hey, we're going to saw this this meal in half, and you're only going to get the good half. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. I didn't want, I'm not going to the fucking prestige, all right? I just want to have a fucking healthy meal and not die. But instead, they've crafted it together. They've stitched together every possible chance they can get. And now look, I sound like I'm looking a gift horse in the mouth. I'm glad you sent me this keto cookbook, and I'm trying my best to do the, the what I can to make the keto thing. I, and I'm not, look, I'm not living by keto. I'm not going to lie to you. 
Um, you know, I'm doing my best to avoid as many carbs as I can and dropping candy and all those sorts of things. And my backsliding, certainly. Um, but I know what you're asking yourselves. Well, hey, Mike, what, weren't you supposed to weigh in on July 1st? I was, as a matter of fact. Now, just let me give you a reminder here. You know, I, uh, I weighed in on January 1st at 361. And, uh, and then I weighed in subsequently. Now, I had big goals. Uh, I had big thoughts, big dreams, and a big black Mercedes sedan. And uh, there were things that I wanted to do, but I'm taking solace in, in any progress that is made, you know? And so I'm trying to do that thing where you don't beat yourself up. You wish you could make a ton more progress, but at the same fucking time, you're like, all right, well, if anything good is happening, then I have to take solace in that and not freak the fuck out. So I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, so I will tell you uh, the last, last time I weighed in, I weighed in on June 1st. Uh, I weighed 343. So I was down from 361 to 343. And I will tell you this. I have lost weight every month. So I'm looking at that as a bonus. Now, did I want to lose 20 pounds a month? I did. Uh, have I worked hard enough to lose 20 pounds a month? I have not. No cardio still. I mean, I, I a couple months ago, I worked in some cardio and it did good. Now is the time to really work in cardio because it's so fucking hot outside that I'll drop uh, LBs pretty quick. But um, but the cardio is still the hardest thing for me to, to deal with. You know, the I can adjust my diet um, not nearly as much as I should, but still I'm doing a good job. Uh, but boy, oh boy, that fucking, that cardio, that's, that's the thing. I should absolutely be fucking doing that. Um, because like I said, I was down to 343 on June 1st and then we, we stepped on the scale July 1st. And I know what you're, you're wondering is do I need a drum roll? Do you want to know exactly where we're at here? Uh, well, I'll just fucking tell you, uh, 339, is what we weighed in on on July 1st. So that's another four pounds in June. And that's even without cardio and knowing that I backslid on on food occasionally. Um, and again, I, I we've talked about this. My, the prevailing theme that I have is I give myself permission to fail. And I, I shouldn't do that. I do that thing where I'm like, well, I you know, I... I had something on Tuesday, so this week is shot. So now I'll have four candy bars the rest of the week. I, you, you can't live your life like that. And that's child's thinking. And I have that deep inside me and it still shows up. Um, and then I will tell you this, when you're losing weight, when you still, like I dropped four pounds, knowing that I still backslid. Um, I did a really good job 10 years or so ago, but you know, I should, oh, I should tell you this. Um, July 9th, it was my, um, anniversary with John, my trainer. I've been training with him for six years and it was funny because Facebook, they, they like to rub it in. They showed the first July 9th that I went to the gym and I weigh, I weighed, uh, 339, which was a very fun coincidence. Um, and then it, it I, that was July 9th, 2013. And that was the day I met John. And then I had a photo posted on July 9th, 2014. And, uh, I look fucking amazing. And I've lo- I'd lost 90 pounds. So, uh, uh, it can be done. You can lose 90 pounds in a year. I've done it before. Um, you know, I had, I had a lot of different motivations back then. Um, you know, I should, I should try to find those again inside me. Um, as we know, as I've discussed before, I don't, uh, care enough about myself to do something like that. I've always got to have some person that I'm achieving a goal for because I want to show them that I'm good enough. Uh, and that's a strange way to be where you're like, well, no, I mean, I mean, who the fuck cares if I lose weight for me? It's like, I can't take any pride in that. I want other people to go, Ooh, yeah, that's how we started the little Schmitty's attaboy fit brigade, which went by the wayside because I stopped fucking posting in there. Cause I'm a fucking goof. Um, 
but I, I, you know, I, I needed tousled hairs and attaboys and keep fucking goings. And, and, uh, you know, even, even though I've been making steady progress and I could have been going into the attaboy page and, and sharing with everybody, I didn't, uh, because I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm making good enough progress the way it is. But then you try to take, like I said, you take solace in the fact I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I've lost 22 pounds since the beginning of the year. Now I wanted to lose 20 pounds a month. So I'm like, oh fuck, I should, I should be there. Not even 20 pounds a month. I wanted, cause I wanted to lose, um, I wanted to lose a buck 20 by the end, 10 pounds a month. I want to lose a buck 20 by the end of the year. Uh, so now I've lost, I've lost 22 pounds and I'm like, oh, well, you know, but you really wanted to lose 60 pounds by now. But, um, but you, you can't, you have to find victories where they are. You know what I mean? Especially as you get older. I mean, your metabolism changes, your whole body changes. And also I know I'm not working nearly hard enough to have lost the 60 pounds, but then that's the thing that rebounds back on me where I'm like, man, motherfucker, you're not working hard enough. You were working hard enough. Maybe this would have fucking happened, but you can't be unkind to yourself. You have to go ahead and say, oh man, I've lost 22 pounds. That's good. I've made good progress. I should be doing a lot better. Uh, I apologize. I could be doing a lot better. That should be, you know, that's the, that's, uh, you know, I have that thing, the four agreements, and it's like be impeccable with your word. And, and that includes to yourself. You can't be like, you're stupid. You're this. You've, you fucked up. You're, you know, that that creeps into your lexicon way too often and give yourself a hard fucking time. And you're trying to go ahead and back off. It's like, nah, man, I can't be that way. Fuck. I, I have to you, you have to take solace in the fact and you have to find victories in the in the victories that you've achieved. You have to take you know, you have to celebrate the victories you've achieved. So. And there's nothing more boring than that. I get it. You guys prefer I was just fucking tearing things apart and just being a fucking maniac. And I, I, I know, but everything's calmed down, man. You know, I'm not punching anybody. I'm not doing fucking cartwheels. It's just, it's, uh, you know, we go to the gym and then we come here and then we, we, we record these shows and holy fuck. Um, I need to start having more of a life and you know that we all know that. Um, but then you get beaten down when you see stuff, you're just like, I go out, you know, I, I went, my friend Michelle was in town and we wound up going to, um, you know, I picked her up at the airport and then, and she was starving. She's like, I'm really hungry because she was traveling all day. And, um, she stays at a suburb North of me. And so we went in the phone book to find out, not the phone book, Jesus Christ. Hi. Yeah. She's not only, she's staying North of me. She's staying 35 years in the, in the past from me. So I went ahead, <laughs> I drove her to 1984 and we grabbed a phone book to see what the fuck was going on. Um, no, we looked at the phone, you know, cause you got a fucking map and everything and to find out what was close by. So she, uh, she pulled it out and looked and, uh, to see what was around the hotel. Cause she was staying in a different hotel this time. And there was a pizza joint that was not far away. And it said a pizza and piano bar. And look, if you know anything about me, folks, you know how much I love to hear somebody tickling the ivories while I'm chewing a bowl full of pasta. Holy fuck. There's nothing better than choking down a meatball while some guy plays my way and belts it out at the top of his fucking lungs with a fish bowl full of fucking singles in his face. Oh, dudes, don't you know that about me? Some fucking guy in a knockoff tux, tie loosened, dead orchid hanging out of his goddamn pocket, and he's up there playing fucking bad Sinatra while I'm trying to eat some fucking red sauce. Oh, there, uh, that changes my whole life. You know me, I'm constantly in pursuit of the fucking piano bar. Uh, but at the same time, I will not lie. Uh, I was curious because I, you know, I don't, I'm trying to be open to going to do things that I've never done or haven't done in a long time. And also, you know, Michelle, cause she was like, uh, you know, we could just get something to take it back to the room and just sit in the room and do it. And I'm like, I, that's fine. But at the same time, when it's a piano bar, I'm like, nah, man, let me, let's go check it out. That'll be fucking cool. Cause she's very accommodating. She's like, I, I think... 
Uh, and I don't want to give her the idea that I'm this fucking guy who's not adventurous or doesn't want to do anything. Um, but also, she'd been traveling all day. It's not like she wanted to go sit and watch the piano bar for four hours, but whatever the fuck. And, have, and look, it was a block away. It wasn't like we were, we singled out the piano bar because that would be the most exciting thing in the fucking world. No, man, this place was a block away. So we were like, all right, cool, let's do this. So uh, we go over there. And also, it said it had Chicago deep dish pizza. Now, now, folks. Um, now my curiosity's up because I mean there's there's a few places around here as I've mentioned that serve Chicago deep dish pizza um, Hollywood Pies which is near Culver City I think and then of course Masa of Echo Park and Gino's East which is by my house that is not opened yet which I, I don't know what these motherfuckers are waiting for it was supposed to be the end of May then it was the end of June and now we're into July and they're still not open I will say this I, I drove by the other day and there was signage uh, they have signage outside and the sign was lit up which and so in my brain, I'm like, holy fuck, are they open? But you pull up and they still have that brown butcher paper all on the fucking windows. You can't see inside the restaurant at all. But the weirdest thing, man, I saw it. There was a note on the door. So I thought maybe it had the, the date it opened. So I get out of the car. I approach the door and on the fucking door, someone has put it. It's like an envelope, like almost like they scrawled it in their car. A spur of the moment thing. It was an envelope and it was a woman. And she goes, Hey, uh, you know, I'm from Chicago. When are you opening? I can't wait any longer. We've been waiting three months. When are you going to open this place? Because we're all dying to get a piece of Gino's East pizza. And, uh, and then other people had written me too. Yeah, man, what's going on? Like people had written on her impromptu note, man, what the fuck? What are you guys opening? And I will admit, when I saw the signage, I actually went and I, I pulled up because I was like, oh, my God, is it open? And when I saw that note, it made me laugh. And I thought, well, they've got to announce like on Gino's East Twitter. So I went to Gino's Twitter. Gino's East Twitter has nothing about the Los Angeles restaurant. Nothing. So then I tried to Google it and uh, I found nothing there. Um. And I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. So I went to go look around at the and they had a they had a whatever the fuck. Uh, a note in the in the window that said, "Hey, we're hiring line cooks and stuff. You got to come here between noon and three. So it was like at least that they're still, because it looks like a place that ran out of money. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like they were getting it done, they got the signs done, and then they went, ah, you know, we don't have money to close the deal here. It's just, it's the fuck are you guys doing, man? So as I went to leave, I looked back at the note on the door, and like I said, everybody, because I saw all these scrawlings and people were like, yeah, we we want to go too. When are we going? Once we open, and down at the bottom, it said. We can't wait to open. Follow us at on Facebook and Instagram. And it had the Facebook address. And it's it's like Facebook.com slash LA Gino's LA or something like that. I don't fucking know. And uh, I because I, I'll, I'll look, I'll be truly honest with you. I didn't look it up. OK, why do you ask? Because uh, I thought that was a bridge too far. I, I'm like, well, I, you know what? I'm fat. And this place is two miles from my house. If I if I'm following the fucking I'm not that in tune to getting a deep dish fucking pizza. It just so happens when they open, I'll check it out. I'm excited to check it out because, you know, Chicago and supposedly they're going to have like a Wrigley Field Ivy wall and all this kind of cool stuff. And it's close enough to my house where you could go there and maybe just hang around and get a Chicago pizza. But I'm not going to fucking follow them on Instagram. Like it, it honestly, it was offensive to me. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for information. Well, no, how about you just fucking open the restaurant? How about you just making some food and you open, unlock the door, take the butcher paper off the fucking window and you let us come in and eat. You sons of bitches, follow us on Facebook. No, no, I, I'm so, 
it drives me fucking crazy, these restaurants with social media. I get it. Look, I understand now. Yes, everybody needs to have a social media account. Everybody needs to go ahead and do this thing where they got some winky fucking spokesperson. Like when Wendy's is 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 talking shit to McDonald's. Hey, whatever, whatever, frozen beef. <laughs> winky face emoticon, pippy longstocking braids. Dude, fuck you, Wendy's. You're not a real person. You're not the boss of me. You're not my real dad. Uh, I I don't understand that the brands are fighting or they're yelling at one another or there's, or they're uh, like Steakum, I guess is a a notoriously, uh, malcontent fucking Twitter account where they get in a fight with fights with people all the time. And that's good publicity, I suppose. But dudes, just make me some fucking food. If you're Steakum, just make me some bullshit fake steak. That's all I want. I don't want you to, don't give me a fucking attitude. Nobody wants a wink and a smile from their Steakum. Jesus fucking Christ. Just shave me off some fake meat and make me a fucking half a fake hoagie. That's all I fucking want from you motherfuckers. I don't need you to be like, aha, check this out. You know, it's like fucking Mr. Peanut with a fucking top hat and a monocle. You're working really hard for a fucking peanut, buddy. Throttle it down, put your cane down, and just be salty and delicious. That's all I ask. All I want from a peanut is salty and delicious. I don't need a fucking tap dance and a goddamn bow tie. Fuck you, Mr. Peanut. And then there's all these commercials like Mr. Peanut is talking to all these people and all these other snacks. I'm like, I don't want to see a fucking snack con nobody wants snack con nobody wants a snack convention i want mr peanut to lay still in a jar till i put him in my mouth and i masticate the fuck out of him and swallow him down that's it i don't need mr peanut to have an attitude and a fucking dance nobody wants to know hey did you guys see the mr peanut dance no nobody saw the mr peanut dance because nobody gives a flying fuck about mr peanut and his dance he's still a corporate shill that fuck that's like if you told me Twinkie the Kid had a fucking master's degree. I don't give a shit, man. Be a Twinkie. That's your fucking job. Nobody gives a shit that you can roll a lasso and fucking ride a horse. Fuck you, Twinkie cowboy. Be a delicious snack cake. That's it. You know what? You don't need to broaden your horizons. Be a goddamn delicious snack cake. That's like the hostess fruit pie the magician. Fuck you, man. You learned magic? Just be a fruit pie. Isn't that enough? That's a lot of heavy lifting. Just go ahead and be a fucking fruit pie. Fill yourself with cherries and let me bite the shit out of you. You don't need to fucking turn yourself into a goddamn prestige. Like I said, I'm the prestige. I don't want to fucking watch you bouncing balls into one box and having Christian Bale catch him out of the other box. Fuck you. Be a fruit pie. That's more than enough. King Ding Dong. Just be a Ding Dong. Nobody needs royalty. I don't need to bite snack cake royalty. Take your crown off. Wrap yourself in foil. Wait for me to open you up and swallow you down. God damn it. I think the ho-ho was an archer, and I don't even think it wanted to be. You know what's funny? I think King Ding Dong became a king. Twinkie the Kid became a fucking uh, cowboy, and then fucking Hostess Fruit Pie learned magic, and the ho-ho's like, I just want to be a fucking ho-ho. Can I just be a snack cake? And they're like, fuck you, man. If you want to hang out with us, you need a skill. So he became an archer. Like, literally, they picked the stupidest fucking things in the world. He's like, I'll get a bow and arrow. I'll be a really good archer like Robin Hood. Fuck you, ho-ho. Just be a fucking chocolate roll-y-up snack cake. That's it. You know who's got the right idea? Little Debbie. She's got Swiss cream rolls. You know what they are? Fucking snack cakes. Her Swiss cream roll doesn't need a fucking kimono. Nobody needs a fucking robe. I don't need a snack cake. He's got a second job. Be a snack fucking cake. God damn it. Little Debbie's smart. She didn't She didn't crack the whip on these motherfuckers. Everybody else thinks they got to be something else. It's like, you know what? The, the fucking snack cake world is all full of these guys who are like, oh, but I, I'm, a, I'm an actress, but I also want to direct. Oh, I'm a snack cake, but I'm also a cowboy. Fuck you, dude. You're full of cream filling. Nobody cares that you can go ahead and ride. Put your guns away and lay down till I bite you up. Fuck that, man. Furious.
so mad at snack cakes and their their need to expand their fucking horizons. And I'm so mad at brands and their need to expand into Instagram, whatever bullshit they got going on. I don't I don't care because I follow restaurants. There are restaurants I follow on Instagram or I follow. You know why I follow them? I don't follow them because I want to see cute bullshit. I just want to remember them. I used to make a list of restaurants I wanted to go to or places that I wanted to visit. And then I went, you know, it's easier to just hit the follow button because then I'll always remember them and have them in my fucking lexicon here. I follow some place called The Rose in Venice. I follow Conby in, in Hollywood. You know, I, I and I, I follow uh, Broken Spanish and, and of course, uh, what the fuck is the other one? The taco joint, Gorilla Tacos. I follow these places so I can remember them. And I, and so they're kind of always in my my orbit and in my consciousness. And I'm like, oh, if I ever wind up in that part of town. But I've, I've never gone to a fucking restaurant because they they had a cute post on fucking Instagram. Never, not once. And the worst is to see these guys who are bad at it, who are just like, uh, hey, you should come down, man. Look at our pastrami. It's totally smiling. And fuck you, man. Nobody wants smiling pastrami. Unless that was your nickname as a wrestler, that would be good. If you're fucking like, if you were, if you were taking on fucking Canada, Canada's greatest athlete, Iron Mike Sharp, and you were just fucking smiling pastrami. Uh, here he is, Bruno, smiling pastrami, San Martino. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I just don't need it. And here's another thing: I don't need. If you're a restaurant and you're a nice restaurant, a fancy restaurant, whatever the fuck you want to say, I don't even care if you're a fancy restaurant. If you're a uh, upscale burger joint, whatever the fuck. Quit, quit trying to sell me shirts, please, please. I, I don't need a raised barbecue koozie. I, I just fucking don't. But half their posts are always like, mm, look at our delicious ribs. And by the way, did you know this? We have shoes. What the fuck? I don't want any goddamn shoes. I, I don't want any ribs that are coming out of the same kitchen that you've got fucking elves popping up in the middle of the night and hammering together some goddamn footwear. Fuck that, dude. Make me a fucking steak. Make me a handful of brisket. Hey, did you like our brisket? Well, I certainly did. Well, then you will love our bath towels. No, no, I will not. I will truly hate your bath towels. I tell you what, unless your bath towels are made out of sheet bacon, I'm not going to be interested in anything a meat company makes for my bathroom. Get the fuck out of here, man. Make me lunch. I came for lunch, not bath bombs. Nobody needs you to fucking get crazy and just go, hmm, did you like the rub that we have on our ribs? Well, now we have a brown sugar bath bomb with notes of, yeah, get fuck out of here. Nobody needs notes of cumin and coriander in a bath bomb. I don't want to smell like your restaurant. I don't want to smell like lunch. I want to eat fucking lunch. But everybody's got some fucking gimmick. Ooh, we've got new pins. Who the fuck wants pins? The fu- are the pink ladies coming to your restaurant to load up their jackets so the fucking T-Birds can be impressed with their barbecue pins? Get the fuck out of here, Rizzo. I don't want a fucking pin. Who's getting pins? I know people collect pins, but I thought it was like Disneyland pins. Nobody collects a pin that's a picture of banana pie, cream pie a la mode. Jesus Christ. Who wants a pie a la mode pin? Nobody. Stand down, pin sellers. Hey, do you guys like our sandwiches? Well, we do. Oh, then you will totally love our bath salts. No, I truly will not. I will not enjoy any of those things. Pins and fucking hats and shirts. And then they're like, hey, we've got new shirts. Hey, we got a bunch of new hats in. I don't give a fuck. Why don't you make me a sandwich? That's it. And make a good sandwich. Concentrate on making the best sandwich you possibly can. That's what I mean. These fucking restaurants that, that they branch out. And look, maybe they need it to stay open. I don't know what their fucking overhead is. Maybe maybe making fucking wedding soup kicks you in the balls because of the fucking meatball and orzo cost. I got no fucking clue. But Jesus Christ, you don't have to supplement it by making socks with with a pig face on them because you guys sell pork. Jesus fuck. 
I don't know. I mean, I mean, unless you're Franklin Barbecue, which is known as the best barbecue place in the fucking country, there's no reason for you to sell some fucking clothing. So someone goes, hey, oh, oh, you went to AJ's? Yeah, I did. Fuck yeah, check it out. I totally went to AJ's. Look at this dicky I got from AJ's. Hey, look at these overalls I got from AJ's. Ooh, I'll tell you what, so delicious. Uh, what, the overalls? No, no, they're food. Oh, they make food? Oh, I thought they remember the clothing company because you're outfitted from fucking head to goddamn toe in AJ's gear. And by the way, I don't mean to slag AJ's because I, I will tell you this, AJ's is by my house. I love AJ's and I don't think they sell any clothes, but that was the one that popped into my fucking head. All the time on Instagram. There's a fucking burger place called Grill Em All. I ate at their food truck. They make fucking amazing heavy metal themed burgers. They have like a fucking, they had a, a, a Twisted Sister burger or a D. Snyder burger. And it had fucking sriracha, peanut butter, fucking, I mean, it was just, it was, it's amazing. They, they, it, it all sounds like you're like, fuck, that sounds like a goddamn car accident. But no, it literally sounds like your refrigerator rolled down a mountain, but that's all the, the sauces they make, but they're fucking delicious. But then there's another one where there's like, come and crush a burg and buy nine hats. No, no, no. Why, why wouldn't you just sell me hamburgers and garlic Parmesan tots? I, I appreciate your creativity in the food realm. But you don't have to go ahead and make that a, a branch out into being a textiles company. Hey, 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 I tell you what, come and crush a fucking heavy metal burger. We got the Judas Priest screaming for vengeance chicken sandwich. And don't forget to buy our oven mitts. Jesus, fuck. Quit being whole things to all people. Make me a fucking sandwich and some tots and, and stand the fuck down. Christ almighty. Nobody needs a goddamn hand towel with your face on it. Ugh. What a weirdo. <laughs> Why does that upset me? But you know, but I would. Tell, but then there's people who make shit, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like a good plan. Like Kiss, the band Kiss. Look, nobody likes Kiss. All right, I hate Kiss. I don't. I hate. Well, I love Kiss from a million years ago, but now Kiss is a fucking. They're lunatics. They're a joke. They're just ridiculous. They do the dumbest fucking things, like uh, put their names on everything. Like, cause again, they're they're making fucking music or whatever the fuck. They're on tour, and I will tell you this: they announced this is like their farewell tour, Kiss's final tour. They're fucking going out for the last time, and it makes fucking sense. Because Paul and Gene are each, I, I, they got to be 68 by now, 65. That's certainly retirement age. And as I've said before, if you're a rock star, never quit. Never quit that job. Just go out whenever you want. So I, I, don't, I don't think they need to retire. And everybody makes fun of them because they said this is their farewell tour, but they keep adding dates to it. Like they will not leave the road. And I was like, boy, this is fucking sad. Because I'll tell you what, I saw Kiss, no makeup. I saw them on the, on the uh, Asylum tour. And I saw them at the UIC Pavilion, which was this rinky-dink little building in, in Chicago at the, on the campus of University of Illinois, Chicago. I don't even know if it's still there anymore. But we went to that show, and we had main floor seats, and we got them like a week before the show. Me, my buddy Brian, my buddy Chris. And as a matter of fact, my buddy Brian crotched a tape recorder, fucking rerun in Doobie Brothers What's Happening style, and we recorded the show. He, he, you know, he ran the mics up his shirt and he put one on either side of his collar and we were, we were, we bootlegged the kiss concert. Uh, and I still have the cassette tape, uh, which is hilarious. Um, but we got into the, into the UIC pavilion to see kiss. Now this is no makeup kiss. This is the asylum tour and asylum is a really good album. Okay. It's got who wants to be lonely on it. It's got tears are falling. It's got just great songs. Secretly cruel, I think is on there. Um, but we get in and the fucking upper deck, the, the, you know, the balcony is closed. It's got fucking the, the black tarp all over it because Kiss couldn't even sell out the like 7,000 seat UIC pavilion in 1985. 
uh, or 86, it was 86 because the Bears were going to be in the Super Bowl in two weeks. It was January of 86. The Bears were going to be in the Super Bowl and because uh, um, Paul Stanley wore a, he wore a Bears jersey on stage. He said, I understand you guys got a refrigerator. It was all that shit where they appeal to whatever the fuck's going on in your town. Um, but just to hear him say, where that refrigerator? These Bears in the Super Bowl. Oh, man. People. Uh, but it was a jam and they were great. And, and I mean, they were really good. I mean, they didn't have makeup on and it wasn't the crazy show and I had never seen the crazy show. So I was bummed, but at the same time, I really wanted to fucking see them and I was happy. But at the, also there, there was the arena was half full. If that, because there were still empty seats on the, in the lower bowl, they, they put the tarp over the top and I, and I, and I imagine kiss like. You know, from years of, of playing the fucking Rose Bowl and shit like that and the makeup and then taking it off and then the lick it up years. But then, you know, you blend it in. They, they, they blend it in with all the other metal bands and bands were more famous than them and Bon Jovi and Van Halen and all these bands passed them. And then you too. And, it, you know, it's 86. So your, your MTV is still showing you. But at the same time, obviously, it's not moving tickets. So I just pictured them every time they would, you know, they'd finish a show. And to them, it was a job. You know, they'd go backstage probably. And were they ever downtrodden? Were they ever like, ah, oh, man, what a fucking job? Because we, we were, there's a book called Kiss and Sell, I think it is. And I read it. It's all about how, how much money they fucking spent and all this crazy shit that they did. I mean, it's it's a really good book for a lot of, for a peek behind the scenes of like, of bands and music. Um, You know, they, they, when they did the solo albums, they, they shipped I think they shipped them platinum. So that means that, you know, they were going to ship a million copies of each one so they could guarantee because they could say it went platinum because they paid for them all and then shipped them platinum. So it's a way to there's all these different ways to gimmick the fucking charts at Billboard. Uh, Prince used to do it. A lot of bands do it now where they're like, hey, buy a ticket to our show. You get our new album. Well, then they're number one on the Billboard chart because they put out a bunch of tickets and people bought tickets to see them in concert. And it looks like that they're still selling albums, but they're really not. It's just a flaw in the billboard way that they look at sales in that if you buy a ticket for a show, you can lump the album in and it counts as an album sale. Like I said, Prince used to do it and other bands did it. They followed suit. And I think people still do it today. I don't think billboard closed that loophole. And I'll tell you, it's so funny as I'm older now, you know, I used to care who had the number one album and what were the top 10 singles. And I used to care what was the top 10 movies and what movies made money at the box office. And, and uh, I used to check it all the time. Like kind of, it was just a thing you did. Then there was a box office report every fucking Monday and you'd check it out. And and like the ratings for TV and stuff like that, dude, I gotta be honest. I don't know the last time I saw the Nielsen ratings for television because television is so fractured. Now there's just no fucking, the only time I hear about it now is when they talk about, uh, I, I hear about it for wrestling because that's a big deal for wrestling when they always report on it at, at the Observer, but also for for sporting events or the Oscars. Like I don't, I I couldn't tell you what what how many people watch The Simpsons or Family Guy a week. Like I don't, I don't even know if that shit is measured anymore. Maybe it is, but I think as I've gotten older, I remember I used to be I used to be fucking hardcore and I'd know all that shit, and now I just do not fucking care. I don't care how many people are tuning into this or that or watching this movies. I can root for movies to make money. I can root for stuff to be okay, but uh, but it doesn't it doesn't affect me in any way. But I used to root for it like sports. I used to root for oh man, people got to watch for this movie. Oh man, people got to watch this show. Oh man, people got to you know I was I wanted it to be successful, and now I find myself just kind of going I I don't I don't get affected by that at all, you know. And like I said, everybody branches out in these different ways. You know, all these shows on fucking social media, just like restaurants on social media. Um, 
I haven't auditioned in a million years, but I've heard that it's very important how many social media people you have. Like casting really does take into account how many people you have following your Twitter and your Instagram. Um, a good example of that is they're doing a, uh, there's a comedy show now on NBC. Bring the funny or I don't fucking know. You're, yet again, they're, they're repackaging stand-up comedians and I'm sure they're showing guys for five seconds or they're making fun of guys. It's like, it's like an American Idol, but it's for fucking comedy. And there's judges. And I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you who the, there's two comedy judges. I don't know who the men are, but it made me laugh that there's two comedy judges. And then there's Chrissy Teigen is a judge. You know who Chrissy Teigen is? She's John Legend's wife. She's a supermodel. I apologize. She's a supermodel and she's John Legend's wife. I don't want to buttonhole her just as Legend's wife, although that's a pretty good career to have. Um, and I like her. I like her social media presence. I think she's cute and funny. And when I, I'm not cute like looking, cute like she's sly and she's kind of smarmy and she'll say some funny things. But she's not a comedian. And, and I have to be honest with you. I don't understand why they have two male comedians. And, and I don't use this as a pejorative, but and a supermodel. That is her job. Uh, it's, it's a supermodel and and two male comedians judging comedians. If you're a comedian and you went up on stage and you had to have Chrissy Teigen tell you about your joke structure or tell you you weren't funny or this other fucking thing, wouldn't that drive you out of your fucking skull? I mean, wouldn't that just send you running for the goddamn hills? Now, I understand she's on there because she has over 5 million, whatever the fuck, Twitter followers, and I think she's got like 8 million Instagram people. Uh, so they figure that'll bring in eyeballs. People will want to see Chrissy Teigen. But if you're going to do that, make her the fucking host. She can be the host and still be cute and funny and whatever the fuck you need from her or smarmy or, you know, sarcastic. I, I don't say cute as in it's not about looks. It's about her being, you know, quippy, I guess is a better word. And then they have another. And there's I mean, why don't you, why don't you find Kathy Ladman and have her be a comedian host? Because she's been doing this fucking stuff for 25, 30 fucking years, 40 years, maybe. She's been a stand up comedian. She's a better judge of comedy than Chrissy Teigen. Now, look, better judge of the art of stand up. I mean, look. That's one of the poisons that's been delivered upon us by the plague of social media is everybody thinks they can do comedy and everybody thinks they're funny and everybody thinks they can tell you you're not funny. Okay. Um, and I, I don't fault people for having opinions, but the thing that I don't like is when people state their opinion with such fucking stamping their foot firmness where they're like, oh no, that guy's not funny at all. That guy's fucking terrible. And you're like, no, no, dude, just say it's not for you. You know, just say it's not, that's all you got to do. Cause again, there's so much now in this world that is not for you. There's so much in this world. That's not for me. You can't like everything. And on this stand up comedy show, I'm sure Chrissy Teigen is just like, well, I, I didn't think that guy was funny. What it's like, well, all right, but we're supposed to be judging stand up. If we're judging funny, then you're just going to cast the fucking three clowns from, from a, from a regular audience or something like that. I suppose I don't, I don't understand the logic of casting somebody who's not a comedian to judge comedians. Jackie Cation, call her. Call Lori Kilmartin. Call, you know, I have my friend Karen Rontowski. Call fucking Karen. These are these are funny women who have been doing stand-up for fucking 30 years. They're comedians. They're not, you know what I mean? They're not some gimmick. And they could be better judges because they understand the machinations of a joke and how to write comedy and how to present it to a fucking crowd. I, I just, and again, this is a this is a very get-off-my-lawn moment. I don't mean it to be that. I, I just, I understand the way the show business works. But I just thought it was a real slap in the face to female comedians. Uh, and I don't say female comedians as if they're separate. Fucking comedians are comedians, but I'm just saying you could have had a a, uh, a female who does comedy as one of the judges and have Chrissy Teigen be the host. Um, but it it is important to them how many social media people you have, so that's why it's important to these businesses how much social media presence they have. That's why it's important to 
send out four or five different trailers of a movie to make sure people are seeing it. It's so funny. I find that so aggressive and so angering that they'll be like, hey, here's the fourth trailer from Spider-Man with new footage. I'm like, I want to see the fucking movie, man. And, and I told you, I avoid the trailers. I do it on purpose because also I love to see trailers in the theater. You know, there's nothing worse than seeing a trailer at YouTube and then you go to the theater and then it's on the big screen and you're like, fuck, man, all of the joy has been sucked out of this because I had to watch it on my fucking laptop. You know what I mean? And it's we all want to be first and we all want to be ahead of the game and we all want to see it. And I get that. And I told you, I watched one trailer. I watched one trailer from a movie that I want to see. Like I watched one Spider-Man trailer from like five months ago. Uh, I, I just, that's it. I don't need to know any more. I don't, I don't want you to hint at anything. I don't want you to drop any nonsense on me. Uh, I, I just, I just want give me cause what a trailer should be. It used to be called teaser. Okay. And, and you want to tease me into seeing the fucking movie. Well, you've got me for Spider-Man. I, you don't need to keep parsing out fucking information all the goddamn time. Hey, by the way, did you know that Spider-Man does this? And Oh, look who's here. And this guy shows up. Well, fuck man. Don't do that shit. Because then you're going to rob me of that experience in the goddamn movie theater. Hi, I'm a grandfather. Listen to me, bitch. <laughs> Terrible. Food people don't make hats. Movie people stop sending me trailers. Rah, rah, rah. Rah, rah, rah. Uh, huh. Jesus Christ. Um, it's just funny to the things that aren't important to me anymore. It's, it's, it used to be important to me to be first. I used to want to get the information before anybody. And I still have that inside me. But I've also realized that that's a fucking losing battle. I mean, you can't be tuned in 24 hours a day with your fucking ears on. I can't be rubber duck, baby. I can't fucking pull in every goddamn piece of information all the fucking time. And the worst is when you see something like, you know, on Twitter, you know, Twitter's just again, as I've said, America is just now open mic night. Whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, it doesn't matter. Someone will type a joke. And then 15 people come in with their version of the joke or they top the joke. Uh, this, this, we're now the United States of yes. And because all of us are in a big fucking Herald group, literally all of us are in a fucking sketch group. This whole fucking country is just a giant fucking UCB class. And everybody's like, well, what about this? Ha ha ha. And everybody channels their inner Fozzie bear every fucking moment of every goddamn day. Waka, waka, waka. Look at me doing bits. I don't, I just, it's fucking exhausting. And it's disheartening. And, uh, and I'll be, I'll, I'll say this honestly. I don't know if other comedians will put it this way or not. And they might not feel the way I feel. What I do used to be special. I, I, I did stand-up comedy and I felt it was a, a skill and an art. And I felt that I was good at it. And it, it paid dues to get good at it. I mean, I, I had to go. I had to go to the barn in Tustin and I had to do every fucking Applebee's open mic and I had to drive two hours at night to go do 10 minutes in Encinitas. I mean, you you put in hard miles and long time trying to get up the ladder and be good at what you did. You, and, and also, you were constantly thinking in terms of funny. You were writing bits. I would write things on. I would carry a notebook. I would write down scraps and I would think about where that would go and what it would do and how I could turn it into this. And I read five newspapers a day to stay informed. And I, I, I did all of these things under the guise of trying to be better at the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And now social media has come along and, and given everybody a megaphone, everybody a voice, and everybody gets to pretend that they're funny. Everybody gets to fire off ball mods and quips and, and, uh, and you get lost in the sea of it. And look, certainly you can stand out. I mean, I, I like to think that nobody can do what I do here in the podcast. Nobody can do this. Nobody can speak extemporaneously for as long as I do, as quickly as I do, pulling fucking comedy out of fucking nowhere. I, I, 
as I've told you before, hey, look, I don't love me very much, but I fucking, I think I'm really fucking good at what I do, even though I also spend time telling people I'm not good at it. It's a weird thing. I don't know how to explain my fucking brain. Still trying to fix it. But, uh, but I do take pride in what I can do. But at the same time, I, the thing I used to do is I used to be first, like I said, with bits. And now there's no way it's impossible to be first with bits because even if, even if I hear something and I, in my brain, I come up with the the fucking best, most cogent, well-written version of the response. I look, first of all, I don't want to tag anybody else's fucking joke. Cause if somebody, that's why I told you, I've just started writing ha 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 on, on people's jokes. So they know that somebody appreciated the fact that they wrote something good. There's a guy named David Roth. I've mentioned this before. He writes for Deadspin and he, he'll write things about the government. He'll write stuff about sports and they're, they're for me, very well-written columns slash editorials. And, uh, I think he's a really excellent writer. He's an excellent writer and nobody tells him that it's thankless because he'll write, he'll post something that's really got great, clever turns of phrases and really withering fucking takedowns. And in the comment section, everybody's like, well, the way I look at it is, and it's like, no, no, could somebody just say, Hey David, man, this is fucking great. You know, everybody is so quick to, to shove their mug in the camera that they're ignoring the fact that there are people better than them or that there are people that they should, that, that, you know what I mean? It's like, it's everybody's in direct competition. Like nobody reads a joke and just goes, that's fucking brilliant. Everybody goes, well, I'll tell you what, here's what I think. Bop, 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 bop. And it's like, fuck again. All this whole nation is a nation of fozzy fucking bears wiggling their ears and going, ah, fuck, get the fuck out of here. You don't, you don't need to be quippy and fucking all the time. Stop. You don't have to be things you're not. And again, it's also, uh, but this is the thing. Now, the arbiters are gone. You know, it used to be you had to go through the old studio system or you had to be approved by NBC. Well, now I, I basically have my own television network on Twitch. I have my own radio station here via the podcast. So I can do what the fuck I want. And I don't have any gatekeepers telling me I can and can't do it. And what I have to do is appeal to as many people as I possibly can. And the proof of that is whether you get supported in your Patreon. It's all survive or die in the marketplace on your own. But maybe it was okay to have arbiters. Maybe it was okay to have people who were, who had, who had a bar of entry set up that you had to be good enough to surpass. And yet I say that, and then I, in the same breath, will tell you that the arbiters, by putting Chrissy Teigen in, have fallen victim to realizing that there's no arbiters, so somebody with five million followers can bring eyeballs. It's, it's a very difficult time to make sense of my industry and my business. Particularly because I'm, I'm literally, I have the smallest scintilla of a fingernail in this business, but I'm in, I'm in the business of Mike and with Twitch and with this and, and with other things, I certainly, I don't work nearly hard enough, but I, I, uh, but I, I welcome the fact that I have support. It's amazing to me that I still have support, even in the face of the fact that I don't think I've worked nearly hard enough. And I thank you for that, but. I won't lie, man. It is fucking disheartening when everybody, like I said, the United States of yes and this, this disease where everybody has a phone and access to uh, the, to this, like, <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb. There used to be stars and now, uh, people like I, everybody, all right, I, I'll, I, I, <sighs> I'm, I'm losing the plot a little bit and I don't mean to, but it's funny to me that, you know, box office used to matter and ratings used to matter. Those used to be things that really mattered to me. And now I don't, I don't care. 
because everything became sports. Everybody rooted for their movie to be number one. And when it wasn't, everybody got pissed off that nobody saw their movie. And everybody bullied you to go see this or do this. You got to support this. You got to do this. Um, and that, that brings me to uh, a movie that I, I saw. Oh, fuck. No, before that, I want to I finish my thought about Kiss. I don't know how I spun off of that. So Kiss decides to put the makeup back on in 96. And then they become gigantic stars again. And now they're doing this farewell tour again after, you know, what are we looking at? 23 years later, they're continuing to go back on the road and people laugh. They're a punchline. My friends and I have made them a punchline. I've seen shows where they've had technical difficulties that were fucking hysterical and more memorable than anything they ever did other than 96, which I'll never forget. But then I see clips of this tour on Instagram and they're in fucking Lisbon and they're in Cologne and they're, they're all over the world and they're they're drawing 60,000 people. 50,000 people are coming out to see Kiss. And in my brain, I'm like, well, then why are they doing a farewell tour? You don't fucking need to do that. You know, in America, we, we tend to go, oh, Jesus Christ, these fucking guys, enough. But Portugal doesn't get Kiss. They don't get overloaded with Kiss. They don't get fucking all of Kiss's bullshit. Like I said, for me, this is totally true. I When I talk about restaurants putting out T-shirts and shit like that, that's who Kiss has become to me. Kiss is, Kiss is a corporation, not a band. And they, you know, they've got the trademarks on the fucking makeup and they slap it on everything. A couple months ago, they, they literally came out with kiss Crocs, the shoes, those bullshit shoes that guys wear in the kitchen or that little children wear kiss Crocs. And I sent it to fucking Pat and my buddy Kyle. And I'm like, I go, dude, this is, I just wrote good Lord with the, with the kiss Crocs and the, and, uh, you know, fucking Pat is like, they will slap their name on anything. And it's true. But also at the same time, I guess I can't deny them slapping their name on stuff and making money. Why wouldn't you make money? Why wouldn't you do that? Again, here in America, we make fun of that. We poke fun of it. We laugh. But in Portugal, they're fucking, they're conquering heroes. They show up and everybody loves them. It's a weird thing. I don't, I don't know how to feel about any of it. But then also I will tell you this. Then this week I saw Kiss put out a cereal called Demon O's. I'm not joking. Kiss put out a cereal called Demonos, and there's like a fucking a funk like it's by the Funko people. They did a it's a cooperative effort. It's only available exclusively at FYI stores or FYE stores, of course, in the mall. But it's a real cereal. Kiss has a Gene Simmons cereal. Gene Simmons has a line of co- sodas, and and he has a cardboard stand-up where he's like, "Buy my sarsaparilla." Kiss invented soda. It's like, what the fuck, dude? I, it just seems so ridiculous and phony. But at the same time, as a guy doing a fucking broadcast out of his own apartment, I guess I see the appeal of constantly putting shit out and getting the, and churning and burning the fucking money. Why not? Keep your face out there. But it also, I reserve the right to make fun of it. Kiss Crocs, I thought, was the, the that was it. I'm like, that's it. The bottom is falling out. And then I saw the Kiss cereal. And I have to admit to you, I went, I fucking want that. I want the Kiss cereal. I, I, I hope it turns the milk red and when you can do the Gene Simmons blood drip out of your mouth, I fucking demand Kiss Demonos. I must have a box of Kiss Demonos. And I I wrote to, to Pat and Kyle, I sent it to them in a text and I go, I think it's tremendously sad that I am looking forward to buying a band's breakfast cereal more than I'm looking forward to any new music or concert tour they could possibly put on. But then I thought about it and I'm like, why is that sad? Again, like what you like, love what you love. 
And when I saw that box of cereal, I'm like, fuck, I want it. But again, it makes me laugh that it's not. That's Kiss. You know, when I was a kid, they, they fucking formed who I was as a person. That was the first band that wasn't my, that was mine. That was mine. Kiss was mine. It wasn't my mom's music. It wasn't Elvis. It wasn't, uh, you know, Motown stuff, which I, I loved. My mom would listen to it. Um, AM radio, you know, but, but kiss was fucking kiss. They were dangerous and rebellious and monsters. And, and that was my first band. And now not joking, 47 years later, no, no, not even, no, no, uh, 70, they came on my radar in 76. So you're, you're looking at 44 years later, uh, 43 years later, <laughs> let's do this. Let's begin some math exercise. Uh, they're still on my radar, but for their breakfast cereal, it's, it just, and again, I'm, I'm sure I'm just wistfully talking in circles here and I don't know what I'm trying to get to, but I, I, I it's, it's amazing to me to see how much my business and my industry has changed and how you have to stay ahead of it. You have to do all these things, you know, and like I said, you're always told what to like, you know, they're very insistent and you should do this. You should do that. And, and I, I rebel, I absolutely rebel against that sort of thing. I, uh, there was a movie that came out called book smart. I don't know if I talked about it on here. It came out in May and, uh, when it came out, the, the hardcore press that I received via social media was you have to see this movie because it's made by a woman filmmaker. It empowers women. So go see this and women will get another chance to make a movie. And instantly I was turned off to that marketing campaign. I'm just being honest with you. They did the same thing with bridesmaids. They're like, oh, it's a, it's a comedy, but it's a female comedy and you need to go see it or else women aren't going to get the chance to be funny anymore. Like they come at you with this weird, aggressive, it's incumbent upon you to save the, the, the you know, everything's a mission. I just want to see a fucking movie. If it's a comedy, I want to go laugh. That's it. I don't, I don't want to be looked at as I'm greasing the wheels of social progression. I just want to see a fucking movie and have fun. So when they did it with the bridesmaids instantly, I was just kind of instinctually, I, I pulled back. I'm like, nah, do I really want to see this fucking thing? I mean, I like Kristen Wiig, uh, but I, but I don't know. I mean, it's, but if it's supposed to be fun, I don't know. So I went to see it cause you know, it's the summer and I saw anything anyway, and it's fucking great. Kristen Wiig is fucking hysterical. Bridesmaids is a really funny movie. Uh, I thought maybe it's a half hour too long, but it, but again, it's just great. And it, in my head, I'm like, if you had just told me this movie was great and stopped at all the other bullshit, that would have been enough for me. But I remember at the time it became a social cause. And they were like, oh, man, if you don't go see this, women aren't going to get a chance again. And which also, by the way, fuck that. That to me, that almost sounds like a cynical marketing ploy by the goddamn studios to go, go see this movie or we'll, or we'll shoot this dog. It's like, well, fuck you, man. If women come up with great scripts and women come up with great movies, then fucking make them quit with the one movie is the test box office for the rest of the careers of all of the women in fucking show business. Just make good projects. I don't know who cares, but if someone's got a cock, uh, fine. Talk to them. If someone's got a different plumbing, who fucking cares? Make good projects, read scripts. Give these people chances, give them opportunities, and you will find a bridesmaids. I, I just the attitude of if, if you don't see this movie, women aren't going to get a chance again. It really it rubbed me the wrong way, but I still went to the movie and it was still great. So then this year, Booksmart comes out, and it's the same deal. Like I, I've talked about uh, you know I'm I about Patton Oswalt. Patton on his his Twitter will will he'll see movies early. 
And then he will, he can't help himself. He always has to be, like, he saw Spider-Man early, and he's like, Spider-Man was great, it was really a joy in the theater, and it also, dot, 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 um, sets up a really amazing sequel. Dude, don't, don't, I know you saw it. You don't have to give me the inside dope that you saw something. It's like just enough. So, same thing happened with Booksmart. Everybody's just like, oh my God, you got to see it. Support my friend Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde made a great movie and you got to go because otherwise people aren't going to get the opportunity. Women aren't going to, women filmmakers aren't going to get the opportunity to direct a movie again or write a movie again if you don't go support Booksmart. And again, that's the, that was the angle they came at me with. And I, I, I instinctually, I don't mean to be this person. Maybe it's because I've gotten older. I'm an old man. I'm like, I just, but I'm like, I don't, well now I'm like, well, fuck that. I don't want to see this. I don't want to go because you think if I don't go see it, these women aren't going to have a fucking career. I mean, I want women to have a career. It shouldn't be that way. My my dollars shouldn't speak toward the quality of a project. But I do, I guess, get the idea of, look, if nobody sees it, then they'll, that'll, it'll go away and whatever the fuck. But then I did see people say it was great. People were like, no, my God, it's fantastic. You have to see it. It's unbelievable. Uh, but also it, in, in the first couple of days, then Olivia Wilde was like, hey, look, if you were going to wait to see it, don't. You should see it now because opening weekend is a big deal and we may not get another chance to make anything like this again. And... um I, I'm I'm readily admitting that cynical me was like, fuck that. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. You should just be able to make good projects. But at the same time, I also recognize, no, uh, people people don't get to make their projects all the time. So uh, I wanted to see it. But at the same time, you know me, if I don't see something right away and it kind of goes by the wayside. So then I went to poker last month and uh, my buddy Chip was like, hey, he goes, uh, I'm going to save you guys uh, two hours and uh, 15 bucks. And we're like, what's up? And he goes, uh, have you seen Booksmart? And Pat and I had been talking about seeing it, but we hadn't seen it yet. We're like, no, not yet. And he goes, oh, my God. He goes, never go. And we're like, what? He goes, it's awful. It's 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 the biggest waste of time and money. It is just, I, I cannot stress to you. And he, he was making us laugh. He's like, I cannot stress to you just how terrible it is. It's so fucking bad. I'm like, really? I go, I've heard it's really good. And, uh, and then I had the discussion about how it turned me off at the marketing. He goes, he goes, I don't care about the marketing. He goes, if they would have said it was a funny movie, they would be lying. It's just, it's so bad. So then Pat and I talked later and um, I was at Pat's house when his family went to see it. His, his wife and uh, two kids, uh, his daughter Rita and uh, his child Ezra, they went to see it. And they loved it. They, they, they saw it twice. They came back from the movie theater. They were like, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So Pat and I had already had a bead from people who'd seen it that it was fucking incredible. So when Chip was ripping it, we're just like, what the fuck, man? So then Pat and I are talking and we had made plans to see it a couple weeks ago, but then Pat was going to Pennsylvania and he's like, yeah, I said, well, maybe I'll go see it. I'll go see it by myself. He's like, well, tell me how it is. I really want to know. And I never got the opportunity to see it. And then Spider-Man and then Midsommar. And I saw a bunch of different things. And then he's, uh, he finally got back to town. He goes, Hey man, book smart is still at the arc light. I said, let's fucking go. What do you want to go? And he's like, how about Monday? I said, great. And then he had to change it. We wound up going on, uh, on, on Wednesday, which was yesterday morning. And, uh, we went to the theater and we were in line. Pat was getting uh, pretzels or some stuff. And uh, there was a girl next to us in line. And um, she was alone. And I probably shouldn't say anything. I don't. I, I was just being friendly. Uh, she was probably 17, I would guess. And because uh, she, she said something. I, I teased her about what she ordered or something. Just being funny. And, and uh, not teased her. I wasn't being a jerk. Trust me. I was being charming. And I said, what are you seeing? And she said, Booksmart. I said, we're seeing Booksmart. 
She goes, oh, this is my third time seeing it. I said, oh, good. Well, I said, his, uh, his wife and uh, his kids saw it a couple of times. She goes, it's so good. I go, well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we go into the theater and there's only like five other people there. And it's that, that girl is there with like two, I don't know if they're her parents or her aunts or whatever, but it's all women in the theater and me and Pat. And, uh, I don't know if you've seen Booksmart. I don't know if Booksmart is still open by you. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Again, like I said, I'd heard good things and I had a friend who told me how fucking terrible it was, but I'd also had people I know and trust also said it was really good. And, uh, I'm here to tell you that it is fabulous. It is, it is, it is just great. Uh, I, I saw it and it's, it's, it's so good and it's done from such a different, it's, it's literally, again, everybody's like, they'll tell you it's super bad, but with girls and essentially, yeah, I could see that. I haven't seen super bad since it was in the theater, but I remember it's kind of the same beats and it's about two girls who've, who've made it through their academic career and, uh, they're going to graduate and then they're going off to in the summer to off to college. And, you know, they have that, it's that same deal where you're like, oh, well, you know what? Our, our time here is over. And, and then it dawns on them that they've never gone out and never really done anything or had any like crazy experiences. It's like, you know what? It's the last day before graduation. Let's do this. And a bunch of stuff happens. That's all I'm going to tell you. But, uh, there, there's, it is, it is such a great representation of what it was like to be young. And I say that as an old, I can only imagine like when that 17 year old girl saw it, she saw herself in the movie. She saw her experiences in the movie. She said, that's me. And that is so valuable. That is so valuable in, in art representation. You know, I'm, I'm learning about that now where I'm learning that, you know, African-American people and, and Asian people, you know, to me, it's not a big deal that, that Johnny storm was black. I was like, why would you do that? It doesn't make sense. It's not in the comic book. Uh, but it means a great deal. Like when black Panther came out and I saw kids going crazy to see themselves on the big screen and, and, and losing their minds. I, I, I was like, Oh, okay. I get it now. You, you know, these, these communities have never seen themselves portrayed as superheroes. They've never seen themselves involved in even being the heroes of a story. I mean, how many times do you, are you going to see, you know, boys in the hood and be depressed about what, what the fucking world is and shit like that, or see some slave movie. I mean, at you to see yourself not only be the hero, but to be the cool ass hero. And you're not corny and you're fucking badass like black Panther, even Killmonger. Who's the villain is fucking badass. I mean, it just, it representation is such an important thing for people. And in, in this movie book smart has such representation of young women and, and not, let's put it this way, not only young women who are, who are smart or academic or nerdy, but also young women who might be uh, sexually active or sexual or cheerleaders or partiers or drug people. Or, I mean, it covers the gamut. Everybody is represented and nobody is a fucking fool. Nobody looks stupid. Okay. It's just, it's, it has a lot of the awkwardness of your teen years, but also so much of the hope. I've talked before where I'm like, man, nostalgia and pussy run this fucking world. Well, I'll tell you, seeing this movie, man, it just, it's nostalgia hits you right in the pit of your fucking stomach. If you're old as a young person, you can see and identify yourself. That's me. That's me. That's where I'm going. There's, it's all open in front of me. 
But as an older person, you go, that was me. I did that. And that's over. And that's powerful. Because it's enough to, you you can revel in the fact that you experienced those things. And then you can be wistful and and sad that you will never experience those things again. And it really drives home the point that you are, uh, you you've lived a life and certainly there's more life to live and everybody's like, ah, 50 is the new 30 or whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter, dude. When you see a movie that has 17 year olds with everything open ahead of them and living their life and having the best time and the most fun and the craziest experiences. And, uh, and you go, I did all that. I did a lot of that stuff and now it's gone. That, That can be devastating if you take it in the wrong way. If you dwell on it, if you don't say, well, you know, there's so much more ahead of me open for me to do. uh, And you instead dwell on the fact that, uh, you know, the good things are gone. You can really, you can really fuck yourself up. There's a scene in Booksmart that I, and I don't, I look, it came out in May, so I don't think I'm spoiling, but these two people wind up at a party, the two girls who are the leads. And, uh, one of the girls has a crush on another girl. And, uh, and so, and also there's representation in this movie. There's, there's these, the gay drama club dudes are not played for laughs. I mean, they're, they're funny because they're funny. They're not funny because they're a stereotype and everybody makes fun of them. They're just accepted in the class. It's such an interesting take. Like when I was a kid, if you were a flamboyantly gay drama queen, dude, you were the joke. You'd show up in makeup and everybody would make fun of you. And somehow you'd do something silly. But in this movie, there's two drama queen dudes, you know, two, two drama club dudes, I guess I should say. And they're totally like crazy gay. And, uh, and they're, but they own it. They're all fierce and RuPaul's drag race looking motherfuckers. And they, and they just fit into the class. Everybody's like, all right, buddy, whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so cool to see the acceptance of everybody to see the, the gay dudes. And then the, you know, the it's, it's the Asian kid is a soccer player and then there, there's, a, there's an Asian kid and a Mexican kid. And then the, I mean, it's just, it's, and everybody's just there. Nobody's like, hi, I'm the Asian kid or I'm the Mexican kid. Um, it's, it's, it's just a represent a representation of a, of a group of kids who all know one another. It reminded me of when I was little, like I said, I, I, the UN of evil, I talk about it all the time. I got a couple of Polish dudes. I got a fucking Mexican dude. We got a Japanese dude. We got a fucking couple Irish dudes. It's just, we just knew each other. We had, we had fun. So this girl has a crush on another girl. And uh, that's one of the reasons they wanted to go to the party. They, like, she's like, all right, look, I'm going to go and try to talk to this girl finally. So she sees the girl across the room and she winds up talking to her. And then there's a karaoke room and they go in and there's a great karaoke scene where uh, someone, they sing, uh, um, I don't know if I want to give away the song that they sing, but it just, it galvanizes a room where the person is singing it. Uh, the gay dude is singing a song and it's amazing. And then uh, the, all of them start singing and then they pass the microphone around and one of the leads gets the microphone and it turns out she can really sing. And again, like I said, she's kind of the nerdy chick who never partied and then she belts out this song and everybody's like, yeah, and she's having the time of her life. And then she's with the girl she's crushing on. The girl goes, hey, let's go swimming and then go out and, and the girl is uh, the girl she's crushing on as they're in the karaoke room is like leaning in her lap. And you get a great camera shot of the girl's arm on the girl's leg and the, and the girl looking at the arm on her leg and just kind of going, oh, and, and so excited. And she's coming alive in that moment. Everything she's always wanted is in that moment. All possibilities are open. And the girl's like, let's go to the pool. And they go out to the pool and they just, 
without with reckless abandon they take off their clothes and they get down to their panties and bras and and uh they the great shot is the the skateboarding chick that the girl has a crush on she has her back to the lead and you never see her face she doesn't look at her like come on let's go in the pool she literally just kind of she takes her glasses off with one hand and she peels off her shirt with the other and she's got like a sports bra on and the other girl is struggling to get her dress off and she's like laughing she's smiling and uh and she and she dives into the pool after her and i will tell you this the music in this movie is astonishingly good there is not a mis- there's one misfire in the whole movie. Every song fits every single scene perfectly. The score is great, but the song, the music's that the the, the the songs, the music that they use. Uh the only clunker is there's a song called Tear the Roof Off the Sucker by Parliament and I'm like that doesn't belong in this movie. There should be nothing old in this movie. There should be nothing old or classic. It's done because there's an old person in the scene, but it doesn't fucking matter. You should it's just I, in the mo- I don't want anything old in this movie. I want just shiny and new and looking forward and possibilities and everybody to be happy. And, uh, man, I, I, so this song starts and I had to look it up and it's a song called slip away by perfume genius. I had heard of perfume genius, but of course I'm not going to know who that person is. I'm not going to lie to you, but this song is, is everything. In the scene, it's everything. And the scene is perfect. It's, it's, if you're young, this scene is filled with all of the heartbreak and the possibilities and, and the, the love and the crushes and everything of youth, everything of youth is in this scene. It's, it's, it should be taught in film classes forever. It should be discussed by, by film scholars <laughs> If you're looking for a way to represent youth on screen, you would use this scene. As they run to the pool and just with reckless abandon, they take their clothes off, then they jump in and this song plays. And uh, the, the the lyrics to the song, there's a, there's a verse and he says, don't look back. I want to break free. If you'll never see him coming, you'll never have to hide. Take my hand, take my everything. If we only got a moment, give it to me now. Ugh. And and I don't know how she matched that scene to this song. Did she always hear that verse and somehow thought to create something around it? Because the song came out in 2017. I don't know when Olivia Wilde is working on the movie. I don't know when the people who wrote the movie are writing it. But you cannot find a group of lyrics to better match a scene in a film to portray the awakening of youth and the longing and the hope than you will in this combination. It's two and a half minutes. Uh, she's, she's swimming in the pool underwater. The song is playing and she's smiling. She does a part where she's just, she kind of looks around and sees all the bodies writhing in the pool and, and she just, she smiles this giant smile and she exhales like bubbles come flying out of her mouth, almost like she laughed underwater. And I, I'll tell you what, the rest of the movie is, is great. But this, it, this two and a half minutes, if you're a young person, you will identify with it so closely because it's what you hope for your life. And if you're an older person, you will identify with it so closely 
because hopefully it's something you've experienced in your life. You guys can get me at Mike and Mike Schmidt comedy.com. You guys can be my friend at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You guys can find me. Where else am I? Oh, I'm at twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. Go ahead and follow me there. <laughs> and uh, what else? Where else am I? Oh, you can find me at Instagram and Snapchat. I'm at Mike four zero Y O B. You can find me on there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can, so go ahead and find me at all of those places and follow me and tell me that I'm the best because I deserve it. Our good friend, our great friend, Ryan, you know him, right? He's in charge of all the web stuff for this show. You go ahead and find him. He is uh, uh, at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks. Go ahead and find him and tell him he's great. And our good friend, David Hernandez, you can find him. David Mex Hernandez, be his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. Go ahead and be his friend there if you would. And uh, uh, if you want to hire him to do some artwork for you, first of all, be his friend. That's the most important thing. Facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. Go ahead and look through his photos peruse all the artwork that he's done. He's got a bunch of it there on Facebook that you can look at and check out. He's also got a closed Facebook group. What's that called? Well, it's called uh, that's dumb. You're dumb. I'm dumb. They're dumb. Something like that. But it's, it's that's dumb. I'm dumb. Whatever the fuck, but go ahead and join that closed Facebook group. And you can see all of the characters that Mex has created there. His, his, uh, his painting, his animation, all of that is on display in that closed group. It's also on display in his photos at his Facebook page. Like I said, become his friend, facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. And uh, if you want to hire him, you can do that. He's got a website, artbydmh.com. That's A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. You can get a look at more of his corporate type work there and see that and see exactly all the stuff that he's done for clients in the past, what he can do for you going forward. He can do caricatures. He can do Valcons. He can, or I'm sorry, uh, Guycons and Valscapes. Um, he's got so many people here who've done, uh, who've hired him to do work through, through us, through the show. Uh, and it's just, it's astonishing work. So please go ahead and check out all of his stuff. Uh, like I said, join the Facebook club, uh, or the Facebook page, facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. Check out all of his work there. Join his closed Facebook page. That's dumb. This is dumb. You're dumb. I'm dumb. Uh, he's on there with a bunch of stuff and he will ask you questions. By the way, if you go to join that, he's going to give you three questions. You got to answer and, uh, please answer them. Don't be a fucking dick and be like, what, whatever, dude. No, always answer the questions. And, um, that would be great. So answer those questions, please. And, uh, and also, like I said, more importantly to me, because of the cadence on the way out here on this beat, go find him at artbydmh.com. That is A-R-T-B-Y-D-M-H.com. You're listening to The 40-Year-Old Boy, and later, The Jerk-Off Journals, two guys who've got the situation well in hand. Uh, I took a lot of heat for last week's show. Uh, which, why, so how come? That's the story I told about, you know, how I jerked off using a soccer bopper. Oh, you knew, you actually, you prefaced it. You said you'd probably get some heat yeah, over it. I was right. Yeah. What, what do you got? Dude, you should try this. What? Okay. Get a banana. Banana? Yeah. Hold All on. Right. There's a, follow me. Peel it. Put the, the skin in the microwave. Heat it up. Okay. Not a lot. And then put it in a baggie and, uh, and put a little lotion inside it and put it <laughs> underneath the couch cushion and then you, you bang it. <laughs> when did you do that? Yesterday. Dude, where? What couch? You're sitting on it. Oh, no. dude, I play Xbox in this couch. Yeah, I know, and I had to wait up all night for you to go to bed so I could try this for Christ's sake, but it's what? amazing. Try it, and you won't be pissed. What do you do with the banana? Eat it. Before or after? During. It's Palm Sunday over and over. The Jerk Off Journals on the Mike Schmidt Podcasting Network. Was that the last banana? We still have a sponsor for this show, even after last week's uh, Monkey Shines. Uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> where our sponsor is the Paranoid Strain Podcast, which you can find in the iTunes store right now. Uh, our good friend Fearful Jesuit is the host of that show, and he brings you unbelievable breakdowns and teardowns of all sorts of conspiracy theories and the like all throughout history. 
Um, as a matter of fact, the, the most recent episode, as I've mentioned before, is a very, it's a, it's a long nutritionist, nutritious, nutritionally dense. I don't know how the fuck to say this. It is an episode about the Kennedy assassination, which you can go ahead and get in the iTunes store right now and download all of them. Quite frankly, download everything that you could find there in the iTunes store from our good friend, fearful Jesuit, the paranoid strain podcast is available now. And, uh, do me a favor, leave a review in the iTunes store mentioning us and saying that's where you found the show and talking about how great his show is. And also write him a note. And tell him you heard about him uh, through us. He wrote me last week. This is funny because I, I think I may have talked about uh, Aquaman and a monkey and all sorts of nonsense. And he wrote me. He's like, uh, I want to get the planning session squared away. Do you have contact information for Aquaman and the monkey? And uh, which made me laugh. But then what even made me laugh even more was the thought of the very that there was a show called Aquaman and the monkey. I'm like, all right, I'm on board with that. That's I wish they were sponsoring this goddamn show. Look, I love Jesuit and I love the Paranoid Strain podcast. But dude, Aquaman and the monkey. That would be fucking amazing. I want to have that. Is that the monkey or Aquaman? I don't know. You got to watch the show to find out, folks. The Paranoid Strain podcast available in the iTunes store right now. Download all of them because they're all fucking fantastic. Danny Unicorn and Fearful Jesuit taking uh Liberties and tearing apart all of the conspiracy theories you've heard about over the years, debunking, debunking and debunking, taking on Oswald and, and, and the Russians and fucking Kennedy and, and uh, all of the amazing stuff that was happening in the JFK assassination. You can go ahead and listen to it right now via the uh, iTunes store. Like I said, leave them a review, write them a note. You can actually and then where can you contact them? Well, I'm glad you asked the paranoid strain at gmail.com, the paranoid strain at gmail.com. Please write them a note and tell them that they're great and that you love the show. Download the show. Listen to the show. Uh, go ahead and check out what a doorstop of truth will bring you. Go ahead and listen to all of those cool ass things. Find out about what a, a lone assassin three bullet guy. Again, that's stuck in my head for some reason. Uh, and we go BK. We go AK before Kennedy, after Kennedy. It's I'd look. It's a dense, dense episode with tons of information and interviews, sound bites that I didn't even imagine existed, but they're there. Please go listen to Fearful Jesuit and the Paranoid Strain podcast available now in the iTunes store. Right? Right. Who wants me to call them? I think everybody. Cameo exists. And I'm going to breeze through this because I, I recognize that there are a lot more famous people than me there on there now. But Cameo exists. Download it to your phone and hire me to go ahead and call you and say you're the best or your aunt's the best or your... your I, why is my... The aunt is always the go-to for me. I want to call your aunt. Let me call your auntie and tell her, tell her how fucking great she is, how much you love her jello mold that she makes every Thanksgiving. Just please let me, you know what? I guess fuck cameo. This is just a way for you to, to put me in touch with your aunt. I, that's all I give a fuck about. I don't care about messages or inspiration or even the 15 bucks I'm going to get, but do me a favor and let me talk to your aunt. I'm, I'm an aunt gatherer. I, you know what? I should be fucking aunts all over this goddamn country. Somebody introduce me to your goddamn aunt. Uh, but cameo exists, download it to your phone so I can call your aunt and tell her she's hot. And then maybe she'll meet me as your aunt may, perhaps it's your aunt may, uh, let's get her those jeans that Marissa Tomei wore in the fucking, uh, oh, dude, dude, Marissa, goddamn Tomei. How hot is that fucking chick? Jesus. And I think, you know what? Hotter now. I mean, hot as a youth, certainly, but dude, so hot in the wrestler. Of course, cause she's naked and just fucking vulnerable and sexy, but also super hot as aunt may. Cause she's like. She's happy and, and just, and just bright and sunshiny and fresh. Oh my God. Marissa Tomei is a fucking delight. Holy shit. What a chocolate Sunday of a woman. God damn. You just want to inhale her. She's so fucking perfect. Chop Marissa Tomei up in lines. And let me snort her up. She's the fucking hottest ever. Just, and just beautiful attitude and everything you'd want. She's the mortadella of people. God damn. I love her. 
Uh, all right. So there you go. She exists. She's like Dolly Parton. There's just some people out there. You're just like, yeah, that's you can't do any better than this. Even Jesus, whoever the fuck leaned back and went, yeah, we got that one right. That's like when, when, when Jesus, whoever created fucking Dolly Parton and Marissa Tomei, it's like hitting a fucking 350 yard drive right down the middle of the fairway and hitting the green and just going, yep, that's I'm on in fucking one. That's who I am. That's who, that's who Dolly Parton and Marissa Tomei are. You're just on in fucking one. You don't even need to think twice. Send that one out. And then you spend the next thousand years trying to duplicate it and you fucking never will. Good for you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so let me talk to your aunt on cameo. Who wants to be an Uber or a Lyft driver? You, of course you do. Use my Lyft code, Mike720057. Use my Uber code, DJZW1YTTUE. Why am I running through these so quickly? Because nobody ever uses these. I mean, I know it's a fucking ridiculous echo chamber of me saying shit that's never going to happen. But it exists. If you're a first-time rider on Uber or Lyft, if you want to be a driver for Uber or Lyft, use my codes. For Lyft, again, all capital letters. M-I-K-E-720057, 720057. For Uber, D-J-Z-W-1-Y-T-T-U-E. That's D-J-Z-W-1-Y-T-T-U-E. Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. We've got the Amazon page there lurking and waiting for you to click on. Well, actually, it's the merchandise page. Go to the merchandise page, which is the Joe Business page, and there's the Amazon link. Click on that, please. And go ahead and use that for whatever the fuck you can use it for. Uh, We get money, they get money, you get stuff. It works out perfectly. You were going to go shop there anyway, weren't you? Of course you were. We get money, they get money, you get stuff. It's a great arrangement between me, you, and Amazon. Sign up. Uh, It's it's super easy. It doesn't cost you anything but 10 seconds. Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the merchandise page, uh, which is the Joe Business page. And right there, you'll see Amazon. Click on that. And hey, now you're shopping. You're lurking in the store. You're buying things. And we get a taste of the gig. That's perfect. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. Use the Amazon link at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. It really helps this show. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, Mike, isn't Prime Day coming up? It is. And I'll tell you what, I'm actually, I might put out a fucking reminder right around Prime Day to get you guys on board to use my link. July 15th, all sorts of deals on electronics, all sorts of deals on everything that they've got there at Amazon.com. That's this coming Monday, July 15th is Prime Day. And uh, the deals are, are amazing, but even more importantly, please use the link. That's why I want you to do it. Go ahead and use the link, please, uh, at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Use that link. Uh, and, and Prime Day, July 15th. And I think it's July 16th. It might be Prime Days. But definitely Monday, July 15th. If you're going to shop for Prime Day, use our link. Go to MikeSchmidtComedy.com. Go to the merchandise page. Click on the Amazon link right there. And then you're shopping and we get a taste of the gig. We get money. They get money. You get stuff. This Monday, July 15th is Prime Day. Please keep us in mind. Are you a Patreon person? Perhaps you should be. Like our good friend Murph. In Illinois, who has upped the ante on his Patreon subscription, and I went and increased his monthly donation. Thank you so much, Murph. You're super cool for going ahead and doing that. I appreciate it very much. If you want to become a Patreon person, go to patreon.com and look for me, Mike Schmidt. Hi. And the 40-Year-Old Boy Podcast. And uh, you can become a patron there at Patreon and sign up and support this show and support all other endeavors and keep me out of the car. That would be really cool if you could do that, although I'm going to be in the fucking car this weekend. Oh, life is taking a turn. I'm excited to go meet strangers, right? That's what it's supposed to be. We have a YouTube channel. Go ahead and check that out. All of the podcasts are up there lurking along with other clips. We have a, uh, and also I'm on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. I am in there. I am doing business. I am taking care of stuff. Six times a week, I'm in there streaming games. Right now, we're in the middle of a game called Heavy Rain, which is important and something you will love. Go ahead and check me out, please, at Heavy Rain. Uh, no, Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. It's a serial killer movie, and I don't want to tell you too much about it, but we're already about two-thirds of the way through. So by the time you go ahead and tune in, maybe we'll be playing something else. Who knows? But it exists. 
It's out there. Go to twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy and uh, follow or subscribe to the channel. Then you'll always know when I'm on and then you can visit us. And it's me in a postage stamp talking to you guys in the chat room and then playing silly games. It's totally fun. Uh, and I got to tell you, I, I talked last week about the Tarantino movie and how excited I was to go see it. And I will tell you this, dudes, dudes, dudes. Uh, I was waiting for tickets to go on sale and the Arclight announced a film festival. They were going to be showing all of the older Tarantino movies as well as premiering Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, five days before it premieres in America. It premieres on the 20. It comes out on the 26th, but it premieres sneak preview style on the 25th. Well, they're showing it on the 20th and the 21st at the Arclight. And they announced it was going to be on sale at noon on Monday. So I was like, all right, I'm in. And uh, I got I got home from the gym. I was sitting here and I kept refreshing the screens and it wouldn't it wasn't going on sale. So they have three different screens. They have the Arclight Presents screen. They have the Coming Soon screen. They have the playing now playing screen. So I'm refreshing those. Then I go to their tweeter, their, their tweeter, their Twitter account and they're and people are tweeting at them. They're fucking furious. They're like, where the fuck are the tickets? What's going on? And, and that's what I mean by everybody having a voice. Everybody gets to fucking rattle the chain and just go, where the fuck is this? Where is this? Where is this? Where is this? And uh, and finally, the Arclight is like, hey, we're having some technical difficulties, um, but please keep refreshing. And I mean, it was this nightmare. And, I, and I'm sitting here going, if I don't get a ticket for the fucking 20th, I'm going to lose my mind because then it turns out they're selling them at the box office, of the theater. And people on Twitter are like, if you're selling them at the box office of the theater, they go, no, uh, we did, but then we halted some sales. Well, I mean, but that means the good seats are all grabbed up. And I mean, I just want to be in the fucking building, but I got to be there for the fucking movie, man. I can't uh, look. I know I'm a child. I, and it comes out five days later, but I'm, this is my Avengers, man. This is the movie I've been waiting all summer to see. And as cool as book smart fucking was, and as amazing as Avengers and Spider-Man were and midsummer and the movies that I've seen, I, this whole, this is the summer of Tarantino. That's why I'm fucking here. I'm waiting. I'm, I can't wait. Uh, and so if I didn't get a ticket for the 20th, I was just going to go down there. I would have snuck in. I would have done something, but I would have made sure I was in there for the fucking 20th, but I'm waiting and an hour goes by and an hour and a half goes by and people are losing their fucking minds on Twitter and they stop the sales at the box office. And then I keep refreshing the screen, but then I go on the app and all of the older movies, like all the catalog movies, like kill bill one and two and all that stuff. That's all on sale. And I'm like, fuck, why is everything's on sale? But once upon a time in Hollywood and I'm refreshing the app, I'm refreshing the screens and refreshing the app and people are mad and they're going on Twitter and everybody's refreshing and everybody's yelling and going, Hey, you should just fucking step off and not sell them today until you get this fucking fixed because it's not fair to people. And you should cancel all the seats you sold at the box office because again, people are very ridiculous. People are like, Hey, I took the day off work to do this. And you knew you owe me movie passes and free popcorn. They're like, no, nobody owes you a fucking thing. It's so bananas that people think they can just insist on anything. But I tell you what, I even, but I tweeted, I said, Hey, look, if these are on sale at the box office, I'm going to lose my fucking mind because I would have gone to the box office. If you told me they were at the box office, I would have gone there, but you said they were online exclusive sales. And I'm sitting there, I'm refreshing the screens, refreshing the screens. And then I refresh my app and the movie pops up on both on just Saturday, not Sunday, just Saturday. And I pop it. I, I click buy a ticket and it starts spinning, 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 spinning. And I'm like, oh fuck. And then it pops in. And it says, pick, you know, purchase. And there's like five screens you got to go through. So then I hit purchase, spinning, 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 spinning. And then it gives you the seats. And I see that the theater is fucking five sixths full. I mean, they've sold virtually all the seats are gone. So they assign the way it works with the thing is they assign you a seat. But if there are open seats, you can switch to an open seat. So I'm, I'm, they have me in the fourth row and the Arclight is a giant dome stadium, but that, I'm in the fourth row from the screen and I'm right in the middle and I don't like sitting in the middle because I inconvenience people. So there's an aisle seat that's a, it's a third row aisle seat, but I try to switch to it, spinning, 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 and you only have five minutes to check out. So you have a clock, a running clock where it's like two minutes, two minutes, you know, 159, 158. 
and it keeps popping up and it won't let me switch any seats. And I realize all of a sudden I go, Mike, the reason it won't let you do these seats is because it's people are also signing in and they're getting assigned to those seats. So by the time you try to switch with the spinning, someone else has that fucking seat. Take the one you've been assigned. And so it was, I, it was assigned to me and I fuck it. And I, I just hit checkout, spinning, 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 spinning. You have five minutes to pay, spinning, spinning. I, and I'm, dude, it took me 16 minutes. But finally, finally, it pops up and it gives me the seat code, like the, the, the scanning code for my seat for Saturday night, July 20th. And I went to Twitter and, uh, and people were furious. And they're like, wait, it's on the app now. Oh my God, I can't get a seat. Wait, I'm trying. Hold on, it timed out. The connection timed out. And I, uh, I felt so bad for everybody. I felt terrible for anybody who didn't get into the 20th, anybody who took a day off work, and anybody who thought to themselves that they were going to have to see the premiere. But I'll tell you this too. Fuck that. I'm going. Fuck that, baby. I'm going. I couldn't be happier. I'm going to be in there. I know Tarantino's going to fucking show up. And even if he doesn't, I don't give a fuck. I just want to be in the building to see the movie. And do I still want to see it at the New Bev when it premieres on the 25th? Will he be there for that? Do I want to see it in his theater? Of course I do. But right now, the most important thing is to see this fucking movie the day it comes out on the 20th. And I've got seats. And they sent out an email. They apologized to everybody. They're like, oh, we'll put on the sale for the 21st. And we're really, oh, the seats are on sale now for the 25th. And people are like, fuck you, man. Fuck you. We wanted the 20th. And again, I feel those people because I would have been furious and angry, but I still would have gone down there. I don't give a fuck if I would have kicked a hole in the ceiling and repelling like fucking Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible trying to steal the fucking knock list. I'd be dangling above, dangling above the crowd on a fucking drop line, just going ahead to make sure that I was there. I wouldn't give a fuck if I had a seat. I'd hover in midair. I would do something. I would learn some Doug Henning man magic bullshit to float above everybody just to be in the fucking room on the 20th. I don't need a seat. I'll stand. I'll walk in circles. Come to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick. Egg, 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 egg.